Hi, and welcome to the Insiders by Durham Lane, where we get perspectives from industry thought leaders about strategies that are unifying marketing and sales cycles to help accelerate growth inside your world. Welcome to the Insiders Sales and Marketing Podcast. I'm Simon Hazeldean. I'm a sales transformation strategist and sales performance consultant, helping my clients get more sales more often with more margin. I'm also a keynote speaker and author of seven books on sales and negotiation. I'm your host, along with my co-host, the one and only Richard Lane, who is co-founder of Durham Lane. Durham Lane are an inside sales partner that help businesses to grow their revenue through an integrated sales and marketing methodology. Uh, Richard, you have the privilege of introducing our guest for this episode. So over to you, sir. Great. Thank you, Simon. And wonderful to be back in the Insiders studio. Really thrilled today to be joined by Darren Cassidy. Darren is the Managing Director for UK and Ireland and heads up the services business in EMEA for Xerox huge global corporation. Really thrilled to have Darren on the show and I think we'll get some wonderful insight from today's episode. So Simon, back to you to get us started. Wonderful. So Darren, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the Insiders. Great to have you with us. What we normally do is just ask our guests to kind of introduce themselves to our listeners. So, you know, give us a little bit of background and and how you came to be in the role that you're in currently. Great. Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, Really looking forward to the conversation we're going to have. So I'm, uh, I've been at Xerox for 31 years. Uh, one company. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure the generation of today are going to. Uh, are going to do that. Uh, but in that time, I've had about 17 different jobs. I calculated the other day. I, I joined as a new business salesperson, and I'm having a wonderful career, getting uh, incredible opportunities to work in our UK company, our European company, our EMEA. I've just come back from five years uh, living in uh, in New York, where I run our channels business for uh, for, the, for North America, and now back actually running the UK and looking after our services business for for Amir. So it's been thirty one years, seventeen jobs, and uh, and an ever changing journey that I'm still on. Amazing, wonderful. Thank you for for uh, letting us know what you've been doing for the last kind of thirty one years. In our pre interview session, we discussed uh, leading the change from technology to a technology led services at Xerox, and this required what you described as adaptive leadership. We'll be really interested in you know your definition of adaptive leadership and why you think it's so important. Yeah, and I think that was one example that we talked about with the backdrop being, you know, change 31 years in, 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 in Xerox. I've seen so much change and yet there's so much change ahead of us and we're in the middle of a, a lot of change. So the example you gave was one, but I, but I think it's really important as leaders in our business. We are open to change. We embrace change. Uh, and part of that is, is adapting, moving, being agile, listening, changing. Um, and, and really helping our teams move through the ambiguity that some people can see in change. You know, as we go through these different cycles of change, it's interesting to see different characters, personalities and styles emerge. And, um, as I said, adaptive leadership is one that I ever, I've really embraced as a, as a necessity, not just in our company, but I think, I think for everybody, um, in the modern world. And changes, I mean, John Cotter from Harvard, I think, would say something like 75% of 
watch corporate change initiatives fail. What what would be your your magic secret sauce? Would you say for change success as a as a kind of a a subsidiary question to the to the first one? So first of all, Simon, I'm no guru like you. I haven't written books, so I'm just uh, I'm just giving you my 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 layman's opinion. Um, but you know what? I think the first and the most important thing about change is mindset. How you embrace embrace change, how your teams embrace change, how we feel about that is really really important and actually sets the tone for so much. Um, but I but I also believe that uh, a leadership part of our leadership role is about producing and driving energy into the business, energy through that change process. And I also believe that energy flows where our attention goes. If you think about that outside of work, if you place your attention on an area, you can produce energy in and get things to move. So through change, I think it's important all the time, but through change, it's really important that we're very, very clear where we want our attention as a leader, where we want our attention as teams and where we want our attention as a business so that we can we can drive energy through the right areas and keep things moving. So so linked to that, Darren, in, in a you know a busy, noisy, changing world, what do you do to ensure that your teams are focusing their energy on the right things? Because I mean clearly that you know, like you say, where your focus goes, your energy goes, very, very important. But how do you how do you get that to be the right areas? Yeah. I have a bit of a fixation, I will declare a bit of a fixation on one pages. So my teams will know I talk about strategy on a page, actions listed on a page. And it's not because I'm completely mad, which I may be, but it, it is because I believe the art of condensing what you do into one page so that you're clear on what you're trying to achieve, what are the areas, the KPIs that you're going to look at, and most importantly, what are the, the focus areas? And I typically work in threes and maximums of fives. What are the focus areas? Not that it's everything that we'll do as a team, but what are the most important things that if we place our attention on and really commit to, give us the best chance of delivering the outcomes um, that, that we want? So you know, for many years, I, uh, uh, you know, we look at strategies on a page, clear focus areas, action plans, that follow that. And, and then part of my role is actually to make sure that we commit to that. You know, I spend quite a lot of time working within that framework. If I'm outside of it, it's a center check for me to say, hey, am I, am I spending my time in the right area? Have we shifted? Or do we need to change and adapt, going back to the first question, adapt where it is we're going and how we're going to get there? But it gives me that reference. It gives me that framework to work within but then allows me to work with the teams and the teams to work with their teams within within that as well. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting kind of it's an interesting insight. And I guess it's a lot more challenging to get it on one page than it is to say get it on one page. I'm guessing that that's the real challenge, isn't it? Is being able to, you know, distill it down into those three to five key areas. It's the hardest thing. Because when you when you look at most things, there's there's lots of things that we do. And you have to separate away the things that you do that are more routine-like and the most important things. The other key is, actually, it's not just my three to five focus areas. 
going through the steps that I go through, we build this as a team, and I, and I really like this. It often it often feels like it's a bit slower at the beginning, but when it comes to execution, the speed up factor is enormous. If you can get the team to think with you, to align, to debate, to discuss, to argue, but eventually to settle on what is it we're trying to do, what are the things that we're going to measure, what are the focus areas, I do believe it gives you the foundation to drive meaningful change and give you a chance to, to you know, to really hit the execution challenge that, that we know is an even tougher one coming. Yeah, and that is about the leader's, I think, ability to to invest that time. You know, an old CEO of mine used to be really strong on debate, decide, do. So really have a proper debate and a conversation and get all of the disagreement and the tension dealt with, then make a firm decision. And then the belief was the implementation happened more because of that. But you have to go through that debate, as, as he described it. Richard, at Durham Lane, you're, you're obviously working on behalf of your clients a lot. So how do you ensure that your folks who are representing clients when they've outsourced to you have that kind of understanding and clear focus on what the client wants them to deliver we we talk about a lot about partnership i mean everyone has their three p's don't they we have our three p's of partnership people and process and partnership in our world has to be a two-way street so if we're signing up a new customer a big red flag for us would be if they're outsourcing to get rid of a problem and not looking to engage if you're not totally aligned to Darren's point, it's very difficult to be successful. So I don't believe that we can be successful in delivering meaningful results for our customers unless we're truly integrated. So one of our drivers to every team is get on the org chart, whether it's formally or informally, usually the latter actually, but let's get on the org chart. And uh, I think when you get there, then that's a sense that you've got that partnership in place. And we're very similar to Darren, just to sort of go back up a little bit. I'm a real fan of one-page plans, Darren. So one-page opportunity planners. Is it Winston Churchill who said, sorry, mother, for the length of this letter, I didn't have time to write a shorter one? Being concise is difficult. And uh, for some for some reason, the simplest things are often the hardest, but I really see them, them paying dividends. Yeah, it's, it's a, it is it is a challenge. And I guess setting a clear strategy and, and creating clarity is a challenge. But perhaps, I guess many of our listeners would say, executing that strategy is an even greater challenge. And you mentioned the importance of people's early involvement and time. In addition to that, or as well as that, what do you do to make sure implementation happens successfully for for your folks at Xerox? Yeah, I think, as you say, probably the, the toughest challenge in business is uh, is taking strategy through culture to execute, especially through change. I work with a notion of there's three cogs. You've got the task cog, be clear on what it is that you're going to go and do, be clear about your focus areas, be clear about what you're trying to do and get alignment. You've got a team cog, and then you've got a self cog, and they actually have some different dynamics in them. So the first one we've just talked about, my approach, again, just the way that we, that we adopt here, one page, clear. The team one is about that alignment. I love your three Ds, by the way. I, I may add my D, Darren's three Ds, and steal that from you. I, I think that, that's great. But that getting alignment from your team, open to debate, ongoing discussions, an environment, an environment that's conducive to talk but do, focus and move, a fail and change. Um, and that environment around the team is really important. And then I also, then I also think that there's a, as a leader, we all have a role ourselves in this. 
And I talk about moments matters. There's moments when we're under pressure where how we react and what we do actually has a profound effect on the way things operate. So uh, if I'm not prepared to commit to review those focus areas, then they're unlikely to happen because my self-conviction is not demonstrating the actions or the, the commitment that I want as an example. And when we're in those reviews, if there's new ideas or challenges, we don't embrace that properly and listen, but decide and adapt and move. There are moments where I feel like as leaders, we have to act and, uh, and show that we are committed with the team to deliver the change and the, uh, and the outcomes that we want. But it is the tough. I think that execution thing is business's toughest challenge. It's relentless. The minute that your eyes go away from that, the, you know, the focus shifts somewhere else. So it is a relentless focus, making sure your operational processes are lined up to deliver the areas that you want to focus on. And you have to trust and believe that the outcomes will become the outcomes. I always say you don't change the scoreboard by looking at the scoreboard. You have to play the game. And playing the game for me is in those focus areas. And that's where uh, that's where I put the execution focus. Yeah, I think relentless focus sticks out as a phrase there. Maybe you do need to do a book, Darren. I think relentless focus, that will be a, a great title. Darren, I love what you're talking about. It feels very familiar to me. It's sort of agile mindset. It feels very, very startup culture-ish, which I think is great. And I'd be interested to know how that fits in with an organization like Xerox, which is a you know, huge global corporation. And I guess the follow-on is, has it been a challenge sort of changing mindset of a big corporate? So two things. We're 23,000 people, $7 billion across hundreds of companies, hundreds, 100 plus years old. So yes. It's always a challenge. I will say two things. One is, and by the way, we're also highly matrixed. So when I talk about teams, these aren't teams that people that are on my org chart. These are teams that, that we put together that actually are required to deliver the, the outcomes that we want. So often in my reviews, in my meetings, I've got people from other parts of the business, but actually, do you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you you need to get the people in a matrix organization aligned to what it is that you want to deliver. And and my experience is people people don't care as long as we can get you know we can get uh, the right inputs into the right areas. Then you can move that. The one thing about I, I come we've been through different periods in thirty years. We've been through in the last uh, last six seven years a really exciting period. We changed our CEO. Uh, Carl Icahn took a position in our company. They brought in uh, an incredible CEO, John Vincentino. Unfortunately, passed away. You know, really, really sad. But but he and his team brought a focus on change and agility that shook us to our core. For me, in a great way, because it was all about ambition and purpose and focus and innovation and trying things. For me, the energy that that produced was great. For many of my colleagues, by the way, it was a real problem who had been working in a, in a different way. So organizationally, you know, we're not all the same. We're not all the same, but, but it's an exciting time for us in our company. You're, the pace and the expectation around change and the acceptance to know that we need to do it and, uh, and try different things is, is probably the most exciting period I've been in in 30 odd years. Yeah, very good. Wonderful. That's uh, shaking to its core is is a, a, a very powerful thing for an organization to have. And obviously, you, when a client outsources to you, what do you do to align to their organization and make sure they get a consistent experience? Uh, you know, I love what um, Richard said, by the way, about 
getting on their org, and he he, he means that you know in in, in this in all contexts, right? just being part of their team. It's really really important. Again, Richard also mentioned this. We talk about drivers. We have to understand the drivers of the business, where they're going, what they're trying to achieve that we're engaging with. We actually like to work hard to understand the drivers of the individuals that are most important to us. And we do that before we really, even before we try and get into what are the specific needs and requirements that they're looking at us to solve. Because actually, for me, success comes when you can show that you have a service or a solution to meet the requirements that they have, but connect that to the drivers that are that are informing how they feel and what they do in a business. And that emotional connection to drivers, I think in many ways is the art of sales. It's the skill within, you know, within many skills within sales that I think I think is most profound, the ability to meet the requirements and connect it in an emotional, passionate, energized way to something, whatever that something is, that's important to the organization and all the individuals that you're dealing with. I mean, neuroscience shows us how powerful emotion is now. I mean, we've, I guess we've always known it throughout human history, but now we've got the technology to show how important it is as part of customers, you know, buying decisions, for example. And I think that's a, that's a really interesting concept of what are they getting an emotional connection to those drivers is you're really harnessing some very powerful kind of motivation from that point of view and, and richard how's that resonate for you from a from a durham lane perspective because obviously you know you're like you say you you mentioned getting on the org chart and understanding those kind of drivers i guess using darren's phraseology yeah and we you know we've, we've talked a lot about the the sort of chasm that exists between the world's or the connection between marketing and sales. And I, I describe Durham Lane as the middleware that connects the two together. You've got to understand the strategy. You've got to understand the drivers and where that client, your customer wants to be headed. And then our job is to to help enact that change and, and maybe connect the dots sometimes. And there are lots of things that we can do to support. And part of the challenge, I guess, is focusing on the right ones at the right time. But also, you know, I, I think delivering back insight is really important. So we focus on typically four buckets of, of focus. I, I see it as inputs, outputs, outcomes and insight. And that last one, insight, whilst everyone's interested in outcomes, obviously, I think the insight is so valuable because whether someone says yes or says no, takes a meeting or doesn't take a meeting, is interested right now or, or maybe later, as a customer, I'd want to know why. Just to shift topic slightly, Darren, Xerox is committed to helping, you know, your customers determine what the future of work's going to look like. Be interested to kind of get your perspective. What's the future of work for sales and marketing professionals, in your opinion? Whew, there's a there's a million dollar question. Um, <laughs> Just throw a little one in there. No, <laughs> <laughs> we have to find ways in sales and marketing. We have to find ways of continuing to be relevant. I agree through analytics and insight data. It's going to be crucial as we go forward um, to 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 make sure that we find ways of connecting to the most important uh, things for our clients. But you know, one of one of the things that, that that we're grappling with right now is we've gone from a world uh, where content and data was hard to get. I, I'm going back a few years. It isn't now. And and actually, this world of marketing and sales being two separate domains. We're certainly challenging in, in Xerox now. The old paradigm of marketing does marketing, sales does sales, and you kind of get what you get. I, I think is a challenge. I, I don't want. I don't know what the new word is that, that that is there. But how do we now engage our clients 
in the right way at the right time with the right content to get the sort of movement uh, within the sales, the sales arena that we want is, is a really, is really important right now. By the way, sending lots of content isn't the answer. You know, in the world of B2B, pure marketing campaigns, in my experience, haven't delivered the re- very different in B2C. By the way, we've just acquired a business called Go Inspire that has an incredible B2C marketing engine, data-driven, insight-driven, uh, uh, B2C, very different. But B2B, marketing on its own, in my humble opinion, hasn't really delivered. So there is a new thing. There's a new way that we've got to go and work, which will combine account management with the content, with some of the things that we've seen in marketing and have a very very joined up, deliberate engagement process that will combine the physical visits and phone calls with a very, with a very robust digital experience that we that we'll look at. And I'm I'm looking at the moment um, with another company actually uh, trying to think through. I think there's something powerful in the concepts of um, of communities, something around getting people talking with like-minded people. Not necessarily about your company, your products, but but just creating community so we can really hear. We can really, really listen to what are the conversations that will then guide us to go and meet the problems that are that are really out there. So I think there's many facets to that. It's going to be fascinating over the next few years. Yeah, it's also as well, I think, the, the, the question, you know, we often ask because it's such a hot topic for many of our listeners, sales and marketing. You know, another way to, I guess, to think about it is why don't we think about what the customer wants at each stage of the journey or the process they're going through and then work out, you know, how we how we deliver that rather than sitting starting with those two traditional org you know blocks that that sit there so it'll be fascinating i think to see how it how it goes forward and and moves on even better than the customer telling you what it is that they want is actually by provoking conversations with data and inside experiences showing the customer what they could have yeah gets you in an even more powerful position to then to then go and do. Yeah, because the customers, uh, with the greatest of respect to our wonderful customers, they're normally head down inside their own organizations dealing with all of their own challenges. They often don't have the ability, do they, to or the luxury to scan the market and, and consider and reflect. And so I think, you know, bringing what could be to them is a, is a powerful thing. Yeah, they're, and they're talking to companies like us and the listeners because they want their expertise. Yeah. We need we need to provide that expertise in 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 the right way. I mean, for, for Xerox, we're still known as a print company. Yet, in the UK, sixty odd percent of my business comes through digital services, yeah. not print. Yes. Um, and we've been doing that for for a while. So, so actually creating, and it goes back to the sales and marketing model. How do you create the conversations that you want? How do you create? new expectations about where clients could go and how do you back that up and get it to the client now in the modern world where we've got many, many, many choices. So in a in a previous podcast, we talked to a guest and we, we came up with a, what I think is a great phrase, we're, we're the sense makers and the storytellers. And, you know, that's yeah. that's sort of, I think that encapsulates everything you've just talked about is that we need to make sense of this ever-changing world for our customers to help them get to where they need to get to. But we also need to share stories that help paint the picture more clearly and and shows them the roadmap. So I I love that phrase. 
Yeah, it's a great, it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful episode. And Daryl, when I'm working with my clients on their on their sales performance, I I use a, a little model, you know, having the right mindset, skill set, and tool set. And in our our pre interview, I, I I mentioned that, and and you said in response that you saw mindset as a skill. So that's a fascinating way of approaching it. So as a leader, how do you approach mindset? Yeah, by the way, we, we talk about skill sets, structures, and mindset. So very similar to, to, to – it's a really good way of just analyzing if things aren't going where you want, have you got the structures, skill sets, and mindset in the right place? Listen, my, mindset mindset for me has always been but is now is now better accepted as, as one of the, the great um, areas that will determine success or failure in performance, especially in a performance area that has pressure around it and and let's face it business is full of pressure sports is full of pressure many many businesses is full of pressure situations so actually looking at mindset is critical people ask me is mindset are you born with a good mindset um is it just methodical and i say i don't know but it's where i do come back to but i do know that it's a skill and i like labeling the skill because there's some rules about skill development one is if it's a skill you should be able to lay out what it is that you do to help you improve your skill the second bit and the most important thing is you can improve and with focus and practice and feedback and coaching skills can be developed so my my aim for me as a as a leader is I need to continue to to develop my mindset skills and part of that is helping helping the uh, the teams and the the leaders in my business uh you know drive a very a very positive mindset uh to to situations that we come again especially when we feel pressure. Do you call each other out on that? Well, um, you call it out might be a bit a bit harsh. Um, we, we actually, we worked over over 20 years with a company called Gazing Performance and have a model that's red to blue. Do you know, it's, it's one of the most empowering things that we've got. Blue is on task, mindset on task, you're on focus. And depending on the team or the situation, you start to describe what that is. In fact, the New Zealand All Blacks worked with them um, after not winning a World Cup for two World Cups on the trot with the best team by a long way and uh, and started to get really focused on what was their blue side thoughts when they're under pressure, when the referee made a bad decision and the whole of the world seemed to be looking at them. What, what did they want to think? What was their mindset going to be? And could they do that consistently, individually and consistently as, as a team? So mindset, you know, red to blue, and then red is diverted. Yeah, we're humans, right? To think that we're all going to be in the zone, on task, all the words that you hear all of the time is impossible. We're human beings and we, and we, we have moments hundreds of times a day where our attention gets diverted. This model, though, allows you to recognize it. And once you recognize it, you empower yourself to make a decision that says, do I want to stay there or do I want to make a decision to go back onto something that I really know is going to be more helpful to drive the outcome? So do we call it out? We talk about red to blue. We talk about, in fact, I'm training after this call, we're training, uh, uh, 20 of our, our, our newer, younger people have joined our business through Kickstart and uh, a couple of others. First, pro- One of the first programs we're taking through is Red to Blue because I think it's powerful in the work context, but it's powerful for us yeah, as humans life. in life. Yeah. So call it out. We'll talk about Red to Blue. Sounds a bit red side. Are you okay? What do you want to do? How do we you – know, our job as leaders is to help people at times move from Red to Blue. Um, but it's re- once you recognize it and you – 
you empower yourself in a very profound way, actually, to uh, to make decisions on your own under pressure in the time, in the moment, which is which is the best bit. Yeah, like you said, because because pressure's not going to be going away anytime soon, right? In a modern, uh, demanding, competitive business world. So I think building that resilience or the ability to deal with it, I think, will be the key skill, isn't it? And that's uh, yeah. that's great to draw on models from from outside of business sometimes that can absolutely help. Last kind of question, well, last penultimate question, actually. Um, you mentioned that one of your challenges, and I think many of our listeners will identify this one, was expanding, you know, your contact base in a customer. It'll often be, you know, the typical seven to eight people that, that most people will have. But how do you get to the 50, 60, 70 people you'd really like to engage with elsewhere in the in the organization because of all the opportunities that might bring for Xerox. So and what how are you going about tackling that challenge? Yeah, you know, this is this is a real a real topical one. We've got an incredible legacy base as being a managed print provider in some of the biggest uh, the biggest names around the world. Um, and that's uh, an incredible legacy that we that we leverage. In that, we typically deal with certain parts of the business over the years, and we have deep relationships with one, two, three, four, five, five people that have worked well. As I said, our company has changed and is changing rapidly. We're moving into, as I said already, moved into digital services. You'll hear us a lot more talking about software, other based services. We even do 3D metal printers that are on Navy ships and so our challenge is how do we how do we leverage the relationships that we've got but not let it restrict us to go and navigate a much wider set of contacts in our clients and one of the, one of those challenges is is again back to our mindset our belief that that actually we don't want to work around these very loyal and fantastic contacts that we've got from our legacy business as we're looking to you know to drive into the different conversations when we're talking about outbound marketing campaigns and and using data the people that have been buying print really have nothing to do with with that part of the business so part of it is we've got to educate ourselves that we need to be very comfortable exploring much wider in organizations the good news is the data around who is doing what is so much more available now in different yeah from different places but then we get back to the question that, that, that Rich and I were talking about earlier is once you know who they are, how do you engage 50 people in an account? We've got 45 different services that we can go and provide. How do I choose which are the right ones for that account? And then how do I warm up 30 while I'm engaging 10? And, and I think that goes back to that conversation about there's got to be a new way that combines marketing, account management, sales, calling that allows us to do all of this in the in the modern world have we got that figured out properly no uh, but we're working hard on uh, we're working hard on that and where we do get um you know wider contacts we have better conversations we get to know more about more about the uh, the, the clients and 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 it works it's the way for sure we just got to work out how to do it more often uh, consistently yeah, you've just got such a fantastic legacy base, haven't you, that I guess people would chop their right arm off to have. And, and what a great opportunity to go looking for all those additional contacts. So, uh, yeah, we wish you every every 
possible uh, success with that. And, and the very last question, Darren, we're building the Insider Spotify playlist and uh, we're asking every guest to include a song which we'll add to the playlist. It's, as you might imagine, we've had a very diverse group of uh, guests and therefore it's a very eclectic mix of music and artists from all sorts of genre. What song can we add to the playlist for you? Oh my goodness! You you did mention this, and I forgot to think about it. So uh, you've uh, you've brought it. Um, symphony, symphony would be a song that I walk down the aisle with to uh, with my with my now wife. Uh, so that would be it. Uh, that would have to be the song. But if you were to ask me which song would I sing along to or karaoke to, it would be an Elton John song. So I'll go with sorry seems to be the hardest word or Saturday night's all right for fighting, one of those two. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we did say to everybody which one song, but unfortunately Richard couldn't decide and had to put four songs on. So I think Richard has has laid that we could probably add all of your choices, Darren, I think, to the add to the list because Richard's broken ranks on us. That's what it's like being a disruptor. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, Richard, in terms of uh, closing thoughts from you, some fantastic conversation themes there. What are you, what are the standout ones for you? Wow, where do I start? Darren, thank you so much on behalf of uh, Simon, myself and our listeners. I think that's been really, really insightful and just for me personally, highly motivating in terms of your approach. Some key themes drawing out. We talked a lot about mindset. I think that's such an important, you know, when we're training new Durham laners coming to the business, we spend our time on mindset because it is the, I think, the key that unlocks your success. I love Simon's debate, as I do. We talk about moments mattering and planning. One-page planner is great but and planning is amazing, but then get on with it, uh, which I think we've spoken about. Morphing sales and marketing together, that's a current and consistent theme on this podcast. I drew a little diagram of, of marketing sales and account management. It's something we call RevOps inside of Durham Lane, Darren, and you put the customer at the center of that and then have everything work towards that customer-centric approach. And then finally, I, th- I think you, you talked a little bit about communities and how you can build communities to help us better understand what our customers are challenged with, what they're thinking, what they're looking to do, what excites them, and that then can get fed back into our business. And from an insight point of view, we can use that to go back into our planning. And with the right mindset, we can uh, we can drive all of that forward. So, yeah, lo- loads loads to think about. I hope everyone's really enjoyed it. But I certainly have. Thanks again. Thank you. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you very much. I think, Darren, I, I really liked your treat mindset as a skill set because we know we can do something about skill set. And that's a, that's a great perspective. I know from all the research I've done into, into neuroscience that – neuroplasticity which is the ability of the brain to grow and adapt remains constant throughout somebody's life so that definitely you know mindset can be definitely developed from a you know from a scientific point of view the proof the proof is kind of there so i think is which is great so thank you very much thank you for all of your sharing your your wisdom and of course your choices for the insiders uh spotify playlist so thank you very much so hope to all of our listeners you've really benefited and enjoyed aaron's wisdom in this episode uh, just invite you to uh, subscribe to the insiders podcast so you'll be notified of all the new episodes which come out on a regular basis and also go and have a look at the previous episodes because we've had some fantastic guests and sharing some great insights and wisdom and we hope although that will help you with your sales and marketing efforts so thank you very much for listening in 
The Insiders by Durham Lane. Subscribe today to never miss an episode.